What's up? Hey, y'all. What's up? Hey, how y'all doing? All right. Just got this thing going. Okay. Uh, hey, ho, hey. No. Um, all, all morning I've been trying to resist the temptation to march around this thing six times and to see what happens, you know? <laughs> Some of you will get that on the way home. It's Jericho, they marched around six times. Never mind. It's in it. Yo, what's up, Mariners? How y'all doing? Y'all good? Let me tell you, it is so good to be back. Got a lot of uh, exciting things going on. On December 29th at 7.30 a.m., my wife and I will go check in like we're checking in in a hotel, but we'll come out with a baby. Um, It's going to be sweet. So we're having our first boy. So we're excited about that. So as y'all are, you know, burping up ham and, and pumpkin pie... Um, on December 29th, think about us. Um, maybe not necessarily when you burp, but yeah, you get it. Just think about us. Pray for us. Um, and then on January 15th, I told you guys, uh, Lake Avenue, my home church, they're sending me out. Uh, and in Monrovia, we're planting Fellowship Monrovia, a brand new church. And our first service will be January 15th. So we're really excited about that. And we'd love for you to pray for us um, because we literally have no idea what we're doing. Um, we're, we're having baby, planting a church. Hey, why not? Uh, let's just do it all together. So as you think about us, pray for us. And um, as you prepare for the holiday season, for, most, for many of us, it's an exciting time. Uh, but, but for some, um, uh, it's, it's not that exciting. Uh, in the sermon series that I have back on the table, one of them, it talks about the perfect storm, uh, the perfect request, and the perfect response. Uh, for some of us, the holiday season... Uh, it's filled with storms, rough times. Uh, just, the, just the idea of having the family around the table um, brings anxiety for some of us. Uh, some of y'all, it's cool. For some of y'all, this is your third service this weekend because you just needed extra spirit <laughs> because the in-laws are coming. Uh, they are on their way. Um, uh, but but for, for, for some of us, this season represents uh, times of difficulty, times of trial. And I tell you, when you find yourself in the perfect storm, you need to know how to pray. Uh, the perfect request. And David helps us in Psalms. Uh, not only the perfect request, but also preparing your heart for the perfect response for God. Because I don't care what the storm, I don't care how difficult the day, God has a perfect response for your situation. So if you know anybody that's going through a storm, if you know anybody that's going through a hard time, this would be a great gift for them. Not only that, but let's just be honest, folks. Either uh, we are in a storm, uh, coming out of a storm, or on our way into a storm. Um, and regardless of where you find yourself, I'm telling you, the Lord has the perfect response for your storm. Amen? So I'm, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to hang out, and I'm going to hug, and I'm going to kiss babies, and you ain't even got to vote for me. I'm good. Uh, uh, so, so I, I look forward to being back there and just kind of fellowshipping with you guys. Um, this week, uh, Mike asked me to come and continue in your series on Advent, and tonight, today we'll talk about love. And I, I, don't, I don't know any better place to go in Scripture to talk about love than John chapter 3, verse 16. Um, although I found out after I got here, Mike just did like a 10-week series on John 3.16, so it was funny. So last night I'm getting in and I'm setting up, get myself together. All right, so Albert, what, do, what do we need to put on the screen? What, do we, what did you preach it? I said, I'm preaching uh, John 3.16. And everybody stopped and looked. It was like, what? You know, he just did 10 weeks. I was like, oh, I'm sure he left something out. So we'll, 
So we'll, we'll put it all back together today. John chapter 3, verse 16. Hear these words uh, from our Heavenly Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If you need a Bible in the room, uh, they're they're coming down and they're passing those out. Just lift up your hand if you want one of those. I'll read it again. Uh, When I was five years old, I memorized this passage of scripture for the very first time when I learned it in the King James Version Uh, who I like to call King Jimmy. So um, I'll give it to you King Jimmy style one more time here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. I pray that in our few moments together this morning that you would speak to us that we would leave this place overwhelmed by your love. God, I pray that you would tune our ears to your voice so that we might hear you. Turn our hearts toward you that we might experience all that you have for us. Father, it's to that end that I pray that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things that you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my redeemer. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. For God so loved the world. The first thing we see in this passage, is the first thing that we learn about God's love is that God's love is surprising. It's surprising. I had the opportunity a few weeks ago uh, to sit with a a group of teen mothers. Uh, My wife, uh, she works with this program for teen mops. Uh, And these are young single moms who are teenagers that have had had babies, obviously, because they're single moms. Um, But yeah, so, and I'm sitting around and they're having their Christmas party and they invite me to come out and to tell the Christmas story at their Christmas party. So I'm sitting around and I'm looking at these teen moms and we're talking. And the first thing I said to them, I said, you know that Jesus's mom was a teenage mother. You you know she was a teenage mother. And then I I wish you could see them. They they set up in their chairs as they begin to listen. Uh, Some of these girls grew up in church. Some of them have never been to church in their lives. Some of them have a relationship with God. Some of them have no clue about who God is and what he's done for them. So I, 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 I just tell the story from scratch. And I say, let me tell you something. Uh, One of the beautiful things about the Christmas story, of course, it's obviously Jesus will deal with him, but but Mary uh, plays an amazing role. And many times in our circles, in our evangelical circles, we don't give Mary enough credit. uh, And then there are churches that give her way too much credit. Um, But 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 I want to give a little love to Mary because Mary, you want to talk about a girl who the deck was stacked against her. The deck was stacked against her. The odds were against Mary. Mary was this this little uh, unattractive girl from this podunk town, uh, this little no-name town. Uh, Albert, Albert, what do you mean unattractive? You, you, you know you're talking about Jesus' mama, right? Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I didn't, I didn't say it. You, you know, so, so the book of Isaiah, what do they say about Jesus? They say Jesus was not one to be desired. He wasn't one who was kindly upon the eyes. Uh, Isaiah says Jesus wasn't that attractive. So if you're going to follow him, it wasn't because he was so, uh, so, so attractive. He, he had other attributes, obviously, but he just, he just wasn't a model. You know what I mean? Just wasn't the prettiest kid in the, in the room. That's what Isaiah says. Isaiah says he's not attractive. So then you got to ask your question, where did Jesus get his looks from? Well, you get your looks from your parents, right? Well, who are Jesus' parents? Well, you got Mary and you got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit ain't even about to go there. So, 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 so we say like the song says, he get it from his mama, right? So according to Isaiah, if Jesus wasn't that cute, that Means Mary wasn't that cute, y'all. So you got Mary. It's not so cute. And it's from this no-name town. This, this town that's literally known for being known for nothing. Uh, it's, it's like Cleveland. Uh, it's like, it's like, like, the, like, like the best thing that happened to Cleveland was LeBron, and he left and went to Miami. You know what I mean? It's, so, so, so it's crazy. You, you got this dynamic that is, uh, Nazareth was so bad uh, that they're talking about Jesus and talking about how cool he is, talking about this great Messiah. The Messiah is coming, he's going to save the world. And he's like, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, where's he from? I said, oh, he's from Nazareth. What? Nazareth? Can any good thing come from Nazareth? So he lives in the equivalent of a no-name town, podunk town, ghetto, hood. It's just not, not a lot of expectation. Out of all the girls in the world, God chooses Mary. Says, I want through you, Mary, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, to come and be birthed through you. What a surprise. I wish you could see these teen mothers who are sitting at the edge of their seats as I begin to talk about how God has the prerogative and he consistently uses his prerogative to choose what Matthew calls the least likely. The folk that the world looks over, the folk that the world would disqualify, the people that you would think would never have a chance. Mary didn't have this great lineage, didn't have this beautiful fortress of a home. She was this podunk girl from, from Nazareth and God says, yeah, you, I want to use you. I want to use the one that nobody would think that the Savior of the world will come through. God specializes in using some of the most unexpected people and he lavishes them with his love and it's surprising to the world. These teenage moms are sitting there and I think about myself, I think about myself and, and how just the other day I was, uh, I, I'm on the board of our church foundation and we had a fundraiser and, and they asked me to come and I do the pitch, the big ask for the money because pastors have this ability to guilt people into doing things. Um, they teach us that in seminary. Um, I'm just kidding. They I don't teach in seminary. I teach in Bible college. But anyway, so, so, so I do the ask, and standing there while I'm doing the ask is the chief of police. And chief of police knows my name, and we know each other, and, and we're sitting there gathering, eating, sipping wine and cheese. Well, I was sipping water, and they was sipping other stuff. But, you know, it was just, just having this great, great time, and I'm thinking to myself, Albert Tate, you've come a long way. Flunked out of high school, got my GED. And here I am, hanging with the chief of police, instead of running from the chief of police. <laughs> here we are in the same room, I'm not nervous, I'm not worried, I'm not looking for a way out the room, you know what I mean? 
No, nobody else ever had that problem? Nobody? 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 Yeah. I, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, wow. God, you've, you've, you've done for me some amazing things. When I think about how the Lord has loved me, it surprises me. It's funny because it's expected, but it's surprising both at the same time. It's like my little girl. They have this, this discipline dynamic in their classroom where if you do really well, then you stay on blue. Uh, if you get a warning, then you get on green. And then if you get in real trouble, you get on red. Uh, so the first couple of weeks of school, Zoe came home and she got on green. She got a warning. And me and LaRosa, you know, we don't, we don't do that discipline thing. So we really had to straight her out. I mean, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't hit her like that. Um, Although if we did, we wouldn't tell you because you Californians are crazy about spanking. Um, but, but we gave her, all the parents that spank were like, yes, they are, child. They're crazy. They're crazy. It's so funny. But we gave her some stern instruction on how it is we would like for her to behave in the classroom. Um, uh, so, so, so we did that and we worked through that. And then several weeks, you know, she stayed on, stayed on blue. Stayed on blue every day, day after day. And she would make it a point to come home and say, Dad, Dad, I stayed on blue today. I stayed on blue today. And I'll never forget the day when I went and I picked her up and she was crying. I said, babe, babe, what's wrong? And she was so upset because she stayed on green. And, and because she, she, she got on green and, and, and she had gotten in trouble. And I could just see her just so distraught and so upset. I leaned down. And she was probably expecting a, a, a stern instruction, but I said, I said, baby, you know, you know mommy and daddy love you even when you're on green, right? You know, there's, there's nothing you can do, like whether, whether you're on blue, whether you're on green, or even if you get on red, Zoe, you know mommy and daddy, our love, it always remains the same. We want you to do your best, we want you to be your best, but know that you never have to earn our love. Regardless of how you perform, we'll always love you. We want you to be a good student. But mommy and Daddy, we, we love you. And I, and, I, and I wish you could see the, the sense of awe and surprise in her face, the sense of ease at her father's love and how it really wasn't conditional. It's kind of like me when I'm preparing for my sermon. Uh, I had this week where it just didn't go well. I, didn't pray like I wanted to, didn't get the study time that I wanted to get in. It just wasn't a good week for preparation. There I am about to go up to preach, and I'm having my pre-sermon prayer, and I'm praying to God, and I'm saying stuff like, Lord, I'm so, I'm so sorry, God, this week. I just, I just didn't prepare like I needed to, and I'm, God, I'm just so unworthy this morning. I'm just so unworthy, God. Please, I, I just didn't study like I wanted to. Just hadn't spent the time and the word this week, God. I'm just so unworthy. And I had the voice of the Lord come back to me and say, Albert, on your best day, you're still not worthy. <laughs> when, you, when, when, when you study all week, when you pray all night, you're still not worthy. See? The love of God, you can't earn it, and you can't be disqualified from it. It's surprisingly unconditional, and it's there in your greatest success and in your worst of failure. The love of God is always there, and for me, it's expected, but it's surprising. Have, have you been surprised by God's love lately? 
Every time you look in the mirror, you ought to be amazed and surprised at a God who could love you so unconditionally. If you hadn't been surprised lately, it means you probably hadn't failed miserably lately. I pray that you would know God in this amazing, surprising love that he has for you. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave, he gave, he gave his only begotten son. God's love is not only surprising, but it's generous. It's generous. The day after Thanksgiving, it's amazing to me uh, 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 watching the festivities and how it goes down. Uh, 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 people are standing in line 12 a.m. in the morning waiting to get in so they can go shopping, so they can go and get, so they can go and get, so they can go and get and take and take and receive and receive and receive. So they're standing in line. And it's always interesting to watch the news flash because this year, just in California, this lady goes in and she wants to buy this gaming system. But the crowd is there. People are pushing around. The greed is evident in the room. And what does she do? She pulls out pepper spray and sprays the room. So while people are coughing and hacking and rubbing their eyes, she grabs her item, goes, stands in line, and checks out and goes home. The greed. In the Midwest, there's this family that stood in line, got all of their stuff, and they're leaving the, the department store, going out to their car. They find themselves held at gunpoint, robbed, took all their stuff. I'm sitting there in my chair watching this all go down. I can't help but feel the seat of judgment rising, up, rising within me. And the Spirit of the Lord immediately convicts me and says, Albert, be careful. Don't judge them. Because they're just like you. See, see the very essence of this whole Black Friday, uh, uh, especially the, 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 the pepper spray lady and the, the guy that holds people, the very essence of these people are fueled by their greed. But it's not just greed. You've got to pull up the layers and see what's under the greed. And that's this epidemic of scarcity. Scarcity, the idea that there won't be enough for me, the idea that I could be left out, the idea that, that I could run out and my family won't have what they need and my children won't have what we need and we won't have what we need as a people. So before I'm left out, before I fall victim to not having enough and there not being enough for me, I'll do whatever I have to do to get what I have to get for me and my family and my house because there has to be enough for me and they make decisions based off of this scarcity. It's the very essence of sin. It's the very core of sin. The idea that my God is not enough for me, so I live in this world of scarcity, and I've got to do what i got to do to make sure that there's enough for me. You're not getting it? Let me help you. Let's look at the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, they're sitting in the garden. They're just, they're just walking around with Jesus. They're just chilling in the garden. I'm sorry, uh, chilling in the garden, uh, residing in the presence and in the glory of God and all of his splendor in a place of peace and rest. Uh, they're, they're chilling in the garden. And what does Satan do? Satan comes and he begins to whisper in her ear. And what does he say to her? He questions God's goodness. She, he, he questions God's abundance and he interjects this idea of scarcity. Listen to what he says. He says, did God really say, don't eat off the tree? She said, yeah, yeah, yeah. God said, don't eat off the tree. Did he really say that? What it really is, is if you eat off the tree, You'll be like God yourself. 
And God doesn't want you to experience what he's experiencing. You see what he did? If you, if, you, if you step outside of what God has provided, you'll experience something that you're not experiencing now because you're missing something now. You're being left out. There's, there's a piece of, 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 of godliness that's yours and that if you, if, you, if you would just step outside of what God said, then you can experience the extra stuff that you're missing out on. You, you see how that plays in our life, right? It's the idea of God not being enough, and so I have to, uh, 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 that's, that's it, supplement God. It's like supplemental vitamins. Anybody got supplemental vi- supplement vitamins? Oh, come on, this is California. Y'all got vitamin D in your purse right now. You know, <laughs> y- y'all know. It's, it's just, you, 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 the assumption is that I don't, I'm not getting enough of my food, so I want to supplement. So you got vitamin D, B, C, A, F, G, you know, all up in your purse. You know what I mean? All up in your pocket. You want some? Here, here's some extra vitamin D, kid. Come on. You know, it's just, we, just, we just pass it around like crack, right? Maybe, <laughs> maybe not quite like crack. Uh, that's a little expensive, and it's a recession. So... Um, but anyway, uh, but, but, we, we, but we supplement because the idea is we're not getting enough in our food and we need to add on. The problem is it works, works great, great with our physical health, but terribly for our spiritual health. See, because we figure we got to supplement God. God is not enough in this area, so I'm just going to supplement and come alongside. The, the, very, the very idea of pornography is, is, is the very same thing. I, parenthetically, I love saying pornography in church because all the heads just go up. It's like, huh, what? What? What do you say? Huh? What? Merry Christmas? What? 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 This dude just looked up. He's like, "Whoa, hello." Somebody say, "Snow? We having snow? What? Merry Christmas? What?" <laughs> but, but the idea is God's plan for my sexuality and God's design for my sexuality is not enough. So I've got to supplement it. So I've got to step outside of God's will and add what he has. None of us will say that. We'll never articulate and say God is not enough. But with our actions, we say it all the time. That's why you can't sleep at night because you're stressed. Because God's sovereign will and your ability to trust him is not enough. So you stay up at night stressing out and worrying because you don't feel like God is enough to supply all of your needs and to satisfy the longings of your soul. He's not enough. So the very essence of that, you live in this idea of scarcity and you begin to overcompensate for the lack that you feel that God is in your life. That was good. That was good. We, we should tweet that. That was really... We, we supplement. God's love is generous. It is enough. And we don't have to live this life of scarcity. You know, the worst of all was in Long Island, New York, several years ago when um, they stood in line all night. Um, Walmart waiting for the sale of the big screen TVs and the DVD players and the digital cameras. And when they opened the doors, the young man that opened the door literally got trampled. And in the rush of thousands of people rushing in the room, he fell and was trampled. And as the coworkers got some clarity and some vision on what was happening, the, 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 the people, the customers had gone into the store and there their coworker was down. And they realized he was dead. He died. Immediately, panic and crisis begin to move, and they called the ambulance, and they tried to clear the store. They were telling people, please, we have a co-worker who's, 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 who's sick. We have a co-worker who's sick. Please exit the building. Please exit the building. But they wouldn't leave. 
So finally, they had to get on the intercom and they said, please, we have a co-worker who is sick. We've got a crisis on our hands. We have to close the store. Please leave the store. Please leave the store. One of the newscasters came and he talked to one of the employees of the store. He said, ma'am, what was it like in there? She looked in the camera and she said, scoundrels. They, they, they were like scavengers. Just, just, they, it, it, it was unbelievable. He said, ma'am, what did y'all do? She said, we, we lost all the tact and we just had to go out and tell them. And we got on the intercom and we literally said, someone has died. Someone has died. Our co-worker has died. Please leave the store. Please, we are closed. Please leave the store. Someone has died. He said, ma'am, what, 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 what did they do? With a tear streaming down her face, she said, they looked at us with TVs in their hands, and they said, we stood in line all night. And we're not leaving until we get our TVs, our cameras, our DVD players. We're not leaving. And she looked in the camera, and she said, and they kept shopping. Nearly 2,000 years ago, someone died. Someone died. He paid the price so that you and I no longer have to live in this life of scarcity where we're fueled by our greed and this fear that there's not enough for me, that there's not enough for our family, there's not going to be enough. He died so that we might live and he rose again on the third day with all power in his hands so that we might know the generosity of his love where there's no more scarcity but an abundance of grace, peace, joy, and hope. Mariners, I'm telling you, someone has died. Someone has died. But the question before us this morning is, are you still shopping? Are you, are you still fueled by your greed and this fear of scarcity in your life? And you're still shopping. You're still supplementing areas. Well, you've drawn the conclusion that for me, God is not enough. So I've got to have the, the lie or the gossip or the materialism or the addiction or the bad habit or the stress or the worry or I've got to be a workaholic or I've got to be an alcoholic because God is not enough. I'm telling you, he died so that you don't have to shop and live in scarcity anymore, but you can rest in the generosity of his Love. His love is surprising. His love is generous. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him, here it is, would not perish but would have everlasting life, 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 life. Love is surprising. Love is generous. And love is life. I love the wordplay here. He says, if you believe... You won't perish, perish, perish. Perish is, is bigger than the idea of just dying and going to hell. It, it's bigger than that. It's more than just hell. It's, it, it, it's that, but it's more than that. It, it's like I grew up in an old holiness church where they used to preach hell, fire, and brimstone. They, they used to preach that. Uh, I, you go to these old revivals, and I'm telling you, they'd scare you so bad, they would preach the hell out of you. I mean, 
I mean, I mean, literally, literally, if you came to church, you had hell in you, by the time the service was over, it was gone. It was gone. I mean, it was gone. I'm telling you, they, they get it out of you. It was just part of, you used to walk in this fear. I remember being 13 years old and just fearing hell so much. This little girl, she wanted to kiss me. And I was like, uh-uh, I don't want to kiss you because I might die and I might go to hell. I mean, I was scared. Unfortunately, around 16, I kind of got over that. Um, but, but, but it's more than that. The idea of parish is this, it's this idea of this, this slow, methodical fade to black. It's this slow movement away from the light into the darkness. And before you know it, you have moved from light all the way to darkness. And the scary thing about perishing friends is you can find yourself in the dark and you can learn how to live in the dark. Breathing, moving, and dying all at the same time. See, the scary thing about perishing is that eventually your, your eyes will adjust your body will get comfortable and you can learn to live in death. Perishing, the slow fading away from God and his marvelous light into an eternal death that doesn't begin when I stop breathing, but it begins when I stop pursuing the almighty God. If you believe in him, You will not perish, perish, fade away into the distant death of hell. But you will have everlasting life. Turn the lights on. You you see see the brightness? Some of us, it's it's almost a little offensive to our eyes, to the version. That's the spirit of the living God and the word of God piercing into the darkness. And it should be offensive. It should be irritating. Every now and then when you hear the Bible, when you hear the word of God, it should irritate you. You should leave this place on some Sundays not feeling good, but feeling very frustrated and angry because the piercing light of the gospel of Jesus Christ has hit a place of darkness in your life and it is offending your eyes. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? If you leave here every Sunday and you happy, that means you, something ain't right. You should leave here irritated by the gospel because it pierces the dark places in your soul and it exposes all that is there. He says, you won't perish, you won't fade slowly to black, but you will have everlasting life. It's not just heaven. It's not just when we die and we go to the great by and by. No, 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 no. It's bigger than that. It's better than that. It's more than that. Everlasting life is an eternal life that begins now. It's Zoe life, this new way of living, this divine life, a life where I'm not pulled black back into the blackness of the darkness because of scarcity, but a life where I'm drawn to the newness of Christ. And I'm drawn to this new way of living where there's no scarcity, but abundance. Where there's, where there's no, where, where for my bitterness, there's grace. For my hard heartedness, there's forgiveness. And for my hopelessness and despair, there's now hope and joy and an abundance of love in my life. You don't have to perish, but you can have 
new life where you're drawn to the maker and creator of this world. Love is surprising. Love is generous. And love is life. It's life-giving. I'll close with this. Um, my wife, when I first moved to California, uh, I wanted to get her something really special. I wanted to do something really special for my wife, so I asked some of my friends, and they said, Albert, you just moved to California, your wife, you want to do something great for her? I know the perfect gift. You got to take her to Tiffany. I was like, who is Tiffany? Um, <laughs> I was like, you know, Tiffany, the blue box. I was like, I, I don't know no lady with no blue box named Tiffany. Who, who is that? What is that? So I was like, okay, dude, go, go to Paseo, go downtown, go Old Town, P Pasadena. Go, go there, go to Tiffany. So I walk into Tiffany's, I look at the prices, and I walk back out. I was like, take me to Ralph's or somebody, because Tiffany, <laughs> Tiffany, we don't, we just, that ain't working. Take me to Bill's, Ralph's, his cousin Bun, I don't know, just take me. <laughs> This, this, ain't, this ain't working. It's like, Albert, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment. Go. So I went, and I tried, and I'm telling you, I was like, ma'am, can I just get the blue box? Um, it's like, sir, we just don't give out the blue box. It's like, okay. So, so I, found, I found this necklace. I got this necklace for my wife, and I'm so excited because in two months, after six years, it would finally be paid off. Um, so, 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 so I get this necklace. And I get it, put it in the blue box, and you know, all right, so I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to give my wife the blue box. And I'm telling you, y'all, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I want a response. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't want no, oh, baby, that's cute. No, I want tears. <laughs> and I don't want just regular tears. I want, like, the snot bubble. I want, like, <laughs> I want, like, the ugly cry, like the, like the stutter, the, <gasps> you know, I want, I, want, I want some of that action going on. You know what I mean? So, so I, give it a, I give it a blue box, and I'm telling you, fellas in the room, if you want to take it to the next level, you need to call my girl Tiffany Jack. I'm telling you. I'm telling all the ladies in the house say, yeah. I'm telling you, Tiffany's, she, I'm telling you, she blessed our, our relationship. She, I, I just tell you like this, not only did she cry, not only did she get the ugly cry, but it's also, you know, I can't say because there's children in the room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I say, it's just, it's just, yeah! It was, I'm talking about it was good. You know what I'm saying? Some little girls asking their dad, they went to a baseball game? The Angels? <laughs> yeah, the Angels played that night. The Angels played. Um, I know, it's terrible. That's terrible. Oh. Um, Every great gift deserves a great response. Greatest gift in the world. Surprising, generous, life-giving love of God. How do you respond to the gift? John helps us. He says you respond to the gift by the key word here is believe. Whosoever will believe, believe, believe. The idea of believe is more than just mental assent. It's the, more, more than just his head knowledge. The idea of believing is when you really believe in something, you fully rest in it. The idea of belief is to fully rest in. It's like, it's like this chair right here. Like, I believe, I believe this chair can hold me. Like, I'm a big dude, but I feel like we can work it out. I mean, I feel like if we come together, this thing can happen. I feel like it could hold me, right? But I show that I really believe that the chair can hold me, you know, when I sit in it. So here we go. Let's see what happens. All right. 
I believe it's, I, I believe. But am I sitting in a chair? No, I'm displaying a very awkward position in church. <laughs> that, you know, I'm just hoping don't show up on Facebook. Uh, all right, okay, okay, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really believe. Okay, I'm gonna really, all right. All right, there we go. Oh, uh, yeah. So the problem here is, I got a lot of weight that I'm, I'm partnering with the chair to hold it, but I'm still holding a lot on my own and I haven't been to the gym in a while, and my left arm is starting to twitch. <laughs> because it takes a lot of work to hold all of this. All right, so let's see what, what believing in this chair really looks like. <sighs> when you fully rest and sit in a chair, no longer sitting in your own strength, but fully resting the chair to be the chair and holding in the chair's ability to hold you, that's when my belief meets my life and we experience the reality of resting in the chair. Every great gift deserves a great response and we respond to the surprising, generous, life-giving love of Jesus Christ by our ability to believe in him, and we know we're believing in God when we're fully resting in his love, no longer sitting in our own strength, but fully allowing our beliefs to marry our actions so we can experience the reality of what it means to rest in the love of Jesus Christ. Friends, are you perishing or are you living? Are you standing or are you resting? The greatest gift is the surprising, generous, life-giving love of Jesus Christ. The question is, are you still shopping or are you resting in his love? Every head bowed and every eye closed, all over the room. Would you just take a moment, close your eyes and bow your head. If you're sitting in this room today, he said, Albert, if I was to be honest with you, when you painted that picture of what perishing is, Albert, the reality is that's my life right now. I feel like I'm on this slow fade to darkness. I feel like every day I'm growing dimmer. I feel like every day my relationship with God is getting more and more distant. And I feel like the reality of who I am is I've been trying to supplement with God and I've been perishing. If that's you, I want to do something really special. I hadn't done this in any of the other services, but if this, if this is you, I just want to take a few moments and I want to pray with you. I'm telling you, you don't have to leave this place perishing. You don't have to leave this place in a drift away from God. You can experience his surprising love today. You can know that it's generous and it has, he, he has plenty of room and capacity to hold you and your failures. He wants to give you new life. If you're in this room and you say, Albert, I'm in the perishing category, but I don't want to be any longer. If that's you, would you just stand up right where you are? Just stand up right where you are. Stand up right where you are. I'm in the perishing category, but I don't want to be anymore. Just stand up right where you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. Don't leave this place 
in that same predicament. You don't have to. I see you standing. Stand. It may take a little courage, but your life is worth it. Stand. Stand. Hallelujah. Don't feel pressure from me. I don't get extra credit for more people that stand. This is about you and the living God who loves you too much to leave you like this. Stand. If you're ready to change course, saying, yeah, and Albert, I've tried to change courses, but I failed miserably, and I'm going to tell you I'm not surprised because you can't do it. It has to be done through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you want to invite that power to change the direction of your life, just stand. I'll take 30 more seconds. 30 more seconds. 30 more seconds. If you had 20 more seconds, would you stand? 15 more seconds. 15, I don't want to go home like this. I want to experience the light and this life-giving love. If you had five more seconds, would you stand? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters who are standing all over this room. I thank you for their courage. I thank you for your strength. Now, God, I pray that you would flood them with your overwhelming love, your unconditional, surprising, generous, life-giving love. May your love reach down to the deepest, darkest places of their souls. May it wash away every stained sin. May they know your love and may they know that it's not something they can earn and it's not something that their failures can disqualify them from. May they know that your love And their life was purchased on the cross nearly 2,000 years ago where you died. You rose again with all power. And it's in that power that we stand today. And it's in that power where we turn in our shopping cart and no longer do we shop the aisles of this world, seeking satisfaction in the aisles of the things of this world. But God, we recognize that our satisfaction is found in your love and in your love alone, in Christ and in Christ alone, where your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on us. So we stand in the abundance of your overwhelming life giving love today in this place. Wash away every sin. We repent, we surrender, and we receive this love. In Jesus' name, every heart said amen. 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 Why don't you put those hands together and give God a praise in this place. (laughs) Hallelujah.